So, this is um, fourth night. Um, the worst is over. Settling in and uh, easing up, and finding our rhythms and finding our place to sit, and finding our relationship with our bodies, and uh, able to find some space to hear ourselves, our minds, our feelings, our moods, and kind of breathing out. Um, it's that sense of, uh, you know, here we have a, a, a space that is allowing. Allowing a big out breath of all, all that kind of held in um, stuff. Uh, probably a lot more out breathing to do, but you can, you can get the gist of it. Um, and just getting the sense of that, that maybe this is not a place for just you know, girding oneself up for yet further endeavors, but perhaps actually just breathing out for less endeavors. Um, and just making one's endeavour just to become present and, and whole and here and okay and easeful and you know seeing things and hearing things and touching things and thinking things and feeling okay with that you know, being able to handle all that without going into some view or another or judgment or another or panic or another or shutting down in some way so that it won't happen to me. <coughs> And this very body and mind is the path of liberation. <coughs> well, so I find it's been um, become enjoyable. I enjoy this. It's lovely to um, be in a situation where we turn around to the shrine and you bow. My, my voice is getting ropier, rougher over the years. But it's very nice to hear that sound of, I don't know, how many people chanting and just tune into that sense of collective um, quality. I don't really have to be dragging it along, just resting in that sense of the group moving in one particular sense of aspiration and being able to everybody give voice to that and um, hope no one feels they have to if they don't want to, but just sense of, you know, I like to give voice to my aspiration, I like to hear myself, I like to be able to bring something forth, like to open up. And this is a place where it's all right to be heard, you know, to be perfect, beautiful singer. You just kind of get your noise out and, uh, <laughs> and make it your own and, you know, and it's fine. Very nice. <laughs> because it's what it means, isn't it? You know, we're not looking at this as this really perfectly balanced and in tune, wonderful, you know, make a CD out of it and um, <laughs> exquisite. But is this real? Is this your voice? Are you, you're doing this because you want to, and it's your voice. And you, maybe the words are strange, but the general mood of, oh, I can express, I can express interest, I can express willingness to be here, and I'm willing to be heard. I, I, I want to hear other people and be willing to be heard. In other words, I'm prepared to come into a, a context, a context of aspiration, a context of willingness. 
you know, willing to be present, willing to manifest in some way in this, in this area which can be very perilous for us, being noticed, you know, can be a very fearful thing. You come up here. <laughs> you don't believe me. <laughs> so I regard this as a you know remarkable sign. You know, I can see if feeling really very relaxed because I'm just talking to my friends. You know, I don't feel I'm in some kind of public place. Um, and that uh, that sense of you know, that's very supportive feeling of you know group quality group practice being here together you know losing it struggling aspiring and all that just being a group of human beings together with a certain core focus you know and a certain group understanding and a group permission and a group uh, commitment to, to to this and letting that take shape trusting that letting that take shape mm-hmm. This is process. All I really, you know, say t- tonight is just the sense of maybe recapping because I, I feel that in the first few days we kind of stagger in and you know, a bit blown away, and bits get lost, the bits get missed, and really, you know, I don't want to kind of just keep cramming more stuff in there. Um, give you time to digest what's what's there or what's there already, and also to recognize nobody actually teaches anybody anything. (coughs) People learn, but nobody teaches. You say some things, and maybe, you know, 10% perhaps of what I say rings a few chimes. I'm I'm fine with it. It doesn't have to be everything. You know, you don't feel you've got to know everything down, but 10% 10% rings a few bells and you take that away mm. and you, 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 do your, you do your considering and resonating and something in you maybe shifts or relaxes or brightens um, and it's very much like, like that it's not a passing on of, of um, you know, be like this it's important to, to recognise that because I think that it can be so easily sensed, you know, um, be like this. I mean, this is, you know, it's not my fault or anybody's fault. It's just the way that these things happen, you know, be like this. And the beauty of it is, is that you're not like this. You know, something in us survives all that, attempts to make us be like this. Something that's kind of comes breaking up through that, that message, be like this, be what you're supposed to be, be what I want you to be, be what I've told you to be, be what I've told you to be many times. <laughs> And something just, just keeps pushing through all that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and I recognize this myself because I, I've managed to survive 3,000 years of religious teachings. 
survived the Pali Canon <laughs> and I've survived the Thai forest tradition and I've survived, survived uh, Mahasi Sayadaw system. You know, these things are all, I don't want to put anybody down with this, these are all great, great things, but just how one can take them, you know, and sort of try to stick them on top of yourself so that you'll be like this, and then when you are like this, you'll be okay, and something you'll be, you'll fit, and you'll be in the winning team, and you'll be all right. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's kind of like what, what we've, we've grown accustomed to doing in, in that relational sense, isn't it? You know, so you relate to a teacher, a teaching, pretty much like one can relate to... to way things go in the worldly, worldly sense. You know, you be like this. Um, be what you're supposed to be. be. Be an object for me. Be an object that I approve of for me. Yeah. Could you be a bit smaller, please? I don't like people that size. <laughs> Could you be a bit quieter, please? The noise disturbs me. Could you be a bit fatter, please? Thinner, please? Um, more like this, more like that. You know, so you kind of digging around so that you don't you can get the you know, sense of approval and that's putting it crudely but you know I think you get the point it's, it's subtler than that in many ways the expressions are a lot subtler than that and yet you know you can feel uh, the results of that is that one almost loses the possibility of daring to imagine I'm just like this, and that's all right. You know, it's just like this, that's all right. It's not, you know, the, the way everybody should be, or the most wonderful thing, it's just like this, and it's all right. I can settle in this. I can find a place of calm in this. I can find a place of insight in this. I can, I can find some liberation in this. And this is, of course, what all these teachers have been telling us in their own way, but we kind of hear it um, and, you know, always try to be like what we imagine, you know, the message wants us to be like. <coughs> so I hope you can survive me. <laughs> I'm sure you can. Uh, I give you my utter blessing and permission to survive me. <laughs> so, really, what I've been trying to encourage so far is just to, to you know, regain your presence, to, to come into presence, perhaps. You know, did, did you realize you'd lost it? You know, to regain it. You know, to regain your body. So it's not, uh, it's not a body that's the way it's supposed to be, it's the way it is. It's not a supposed to be body. It's not a supposed to be mind. You regain it. So you can sense, you know, I'm talking about the sense of the body, of course, that, that embodiment sense, you regain embodiment. 
So, you know, you might very well um, feel that quality of, you know, coming into a place and slightly bit withdrawn. What am I supposed to be here? What am I supposed to do here? Let me just kind of contract a bit, first of all. Check out what's the scenery. You know, oh, I'm supposed to be diligent, right? <laughs> so we may be coming, you know, from a place we haven't actually started to be present yet. We haven't thought that that was what it was about. Nobody's asked me to be present before. You know, they said, do this, do that, be this, be that. But they haven't actually said, well, just get, take some time and get present, you know, be, be present. It's not common language, is it? <coughs> so it's normally be this for me, be this for me, or do this, is, is the kind of, the, the very often the relational field is marked like that. Rather than just, just be present, you know, and the invitation to let that take its shape. Now what I'm suggesting is that until you've actually got here, where is there to go, you know? Until you've actually, all, all your bits have arrived <laughs> and, and found their place and settled down and, and you know, and breathed in and breathed out. And, you know, so where, where, can you, where can you really start thinking about going or doing until you've actually got your kit together? Or do we imagine that, you know, that we, we have to do something in order to get our, 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 our kit together, if you like. So we may come in that sort of feeling of wrong, you know, don't know, a bit uncertain, feeling a bit shot away. But do something. You know, do something to make it change, make it another way. What am I supposed to do? Okay, I'll do that. And we're already acting from that, that um, off-centred, compulsive way that believes that do it is the answer. Uh, well, well, let's just stop doing things for a while and let things, you know, tone up and attune, attune to presence. And what I'm suggesting is that there's a particular tune there, a uh, tone, which you know. If you've given the permission you know, you know it. Quality stable, right, steady, tone. And it's a tone of heart. You sometimes you might sense you can hear it even. But it's a feeling tone, just a sense of something very intimate, quiet, gentle, steady. Here, you know. That's that's coming into presence. And it's a wholesome tone. When we're there, you know, there's a sense of space for us. There's a space that one's quite happy to share. Because space is free. And nothing, you know, it doesn't get, it doesn't, it's open and things can pass through it. So we're quite happy to be here and share some space when we got that, that tone. 
And the uh, happiness of that is a sense that there's, there's love there. There's, uh, hey, this space doesn't, isn't something I'm using to protect myself from you. This is space that I find I can connect to you. I can bring you into my space. This is one of the lovely things about it. There's no space. How can I bring you in? <laughs> so this is, then that's very nice because I, I um, there's something very real and settling about actually inviting in or being able to invite into your into your feeling space what you can see with your eyes. I can see there's some people out there. So I can see that. Do I want to actually don't come into my space? What's that feel like? Or could it be, you know, I think, well, if they come into my space, they're going to do weird things to me, or upset me, or bother me, disturb me, want things out of me. Do, you know, I've got to do something. That <laughs> 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 uh, actually, you know, what's it like to be, in, you know, where we have a context that that um, keeps us feeling we can, where we connect. Know, without having to necessarily even speak, but, but just to see and feel touched, interested, you know, whatevered, and, and let that happen. Let that resonances occur. Maybe the slight eagerness, or even the even the shimmerings of anxiety or fear that can occur. Okay, I'll 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 be with that. That's part of what's happening for me, or the joy. And the kind of relief to just let that, that stuff wash around without trying to close it down or not be affected or blame it on you or blame it on me or whatever. Just the resonances of, of, of the heart when it's actually allowed to sense and tremble. <coughs> so of course we have that sense of the sealer and that group commitment and understanding of uh, behavior that's non-abusive and behavior that's aware so I'm encouraging to to, you know, to connect to that not just purely to some sort of social nicety but in order to find find oneself, to find one's own place because if I'm actually in this situation with all these other people here and, I, and somehow I'm not okay with that, or I have to keep shutting them off, then I'm not here either. I'm in some kind of withheld quality. That's where, that's where I'll be. In some kind of pulled away sense. You know? So I'm not really here until I can be here with what's here. I feel okay with that. With whatever that brings up, you know, and you know, the one can feel a sense of sharing some of the sadness. It's okay. Sharing some of the confusion. That's okay. I can I, I can be with that. And the inspire the aspiration, and you know, all of it. I can I can be with that. 
All right? That's pretty much what happens for me. And it's kind of comforting in a way. In, in, a, in a strange way, because it's like saying, this is what happens, isn't it? This is not something that's just some weird thing that only I, happens to me. You know, which sort of increases my sense of dislocation and, and obsessiveness and uh, oddness and out-of-itness. So, coming, so it helps us to come into presence with, us, with our own stuff when we actually recognize our own stuff is just stuff. You know, your stuff, my stuff, just stuff. Um, that has to be given the space. And if it's given the right amount of space, proper connecting space, we can, we can feel that. There's enough space for it to move around and settle. But if, if instead of that I'm kind of shoving out of the space, so I have a disconnecting space, like space is a wall, give me my space, get out of my space, then I'm doing that to all things, you know, parts of myself, get out of here, get out of my space, don't bother me. You can't really run two, two programs at the same time. So if you're dismissing others, you're dismissing your, you dismiss yourself as well. <laughs> or bits of it, the bits that don't fit in with what one imagines one should be. And we do that quite a bit. So why do we why do we meditate? What is this? Why do we meditate? What is this uh, activity? No, just saying for tune in. Now, what what should we do? If we, what do we need to do? Just be aware of volition. That do that thing that rises up with the inclination to do. Be, be aware of that. And it just is a thing in itself. You know. Where's it coming from? What's need? What do you need? What needs to be done now? What's wrong? What would you like? What's the push? Volitional push. <coughs> Essentially, I guess, when it comes down to it, just want to stop suffering, find a settledness, find ease, find peace. Now, be just be aware of uh, how how with the place of volition in that in that search, in their interest, in peace, in harmony, in fullness, in awakeness, in purity, whatever, however you sense it. Just be aware that the assumption is going to come around through volition. That's, that's an inbred assumption, isn't it? That 
we want something, we go ahead and do something to make it happen. I want to get somewhere, I do something and it to make it happen. I want to be something, I do something to make that come around. That's the way it works, isn't it? Just check out, just maybe suspend the belief on that one. <laughs> it's true, you know. What what do you what do you what you do is what you'll become. Put volition into something, you you certainly become something. So it's very significant to remember the Buddha saying, volition is karma. And uh, it means this volition is in the law of cause and effect, and karma. We're looking for the end of karma. What is, is one, of, one of the ways the, the Eightfold Path is summarized. We're looking for the end of karma. This is about karma and the end of karma. To do good, to incline towards doing good. So you feel that, the tone of that. You put aside obstructive habits. You put aside painful habits. You put aside damaging habits. You know, so you're not continually winding yourself into dark and nasty places. And you bring up what's bright, what's lovely, what's satisfying, what's heartful. And, but this, I teach karma and the end of karma. This is, you know, to teach good karma. And it's, but this only goes so far. Because, uh, it's, 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 it leads, it's very much bound up with the becoming. And becoming is one of the primary outflows that keeps us running from here to there, from there to here, and so on and so on and so on. So you certainly become something. You may become something interesting. But whether you actually get to the end of it through becoming is, is rather doubtful. Uh, in fact, uh, the Buddha say you can't get to the end of this by becoming something. You have to put, get to the end of becoming something. <laughs> and maybe there's certain efforts and energies and directives that we do in order to undo some of the tangle of that, some of the belief in that. But make no mistake about it, we're looking towards the end of becoming, the ending of karma, and the relaxation of volition. If if we're looking to the end of karma, there must be the end of volition, which is that, the will to do, the will to do, the will to do. You know, but if you're sitting on a hot plate, you know, then you jump. You know, it's not that, it's not the time to sit here thinking end of karma, end of karma, <laughs> end, <laughs> end of volition. It's getting you know, it's time to say volition. You know, get me out, jump, get out of here. So it's not that there should be no volition. Just be careful with it. You know, where, when it's just the compulsive, blind belief, do 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 is going to be it, and you must do, because then you take that into meditation you can find that you're coming from a place that hasn't actually unfolded properly. You're already in a sort of 
contracted state, not all here, and is still carrying that message, do, 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 do. So it's like, you know, your, your vehicle has not got all the wheels on it yet. <coughs> and just pumping away on the gas pedal. <laughs> Saying, you know, giddy up, boy, Nirvana. <laughs> Is there any fuel in the tank? Have you got all your wheels on yet? Is there a road? <laughs> so just taking some time to check out, you know, who's, who's giving all these orders around here about do, 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 and get there, and become this, and make this, and whatever it is. And all the jargon that we can create around this, you know, the stages and the phases and the insights and the practices and so on. <coughs> Not, you know, these things are all fine, but just be aware of where's the motivation. And maybe, interesting enough, maybe these things would kind of happen anyway if you just sat there. <laughs> <laughs> You know, getting present and tuning in and just relaxing and maybe just a little tweak here and there and, you know, attending this way and attending that way. Maybe all these lovely things would come around. Maybe a lot of stuff just happens. You know? Like growing up and growing old and it just happens, doesn't it? You don't have to do it. Um, and the interest in, in waking up happens. You don't decide one morning I'm going to get interested in having peace of mind. That's why I should do it. Just you get a feeling of oh, you know. it comes. <coughs> and that's the real thing. Isn't it? Those are the re- real things, the ones that, that come rather than, they're, rather than we make them up. Because you've got to really be quite wary about the ideals and the things we make up. Because, you know, just to acknowledge who's making these up and why. You know. Uh, I was trying to just, you know, maybe produce some little maps there, perhaps a bit technical, but say, roughly speaking, the cognitive faculty. Oh, it's called his um, faculty of thinking and speaking. That faculty, faculty of heart or sensitivity, faculty of bodily presence, lining those up. And just recognizing that the faculty of cognition is where you think and speak. That's the trained faculty, isn't it? You learn to speak. You learn it from somebody else. And you weren't grown up when you learnt it. <laughs> you were quite small, and you didn't really know. You just started mouthing these phrases, and they said, "Very good." So you said some more of them. They said, "Good, good." <laughs> so that you learnt it, and then you know you switched on the TV and you learnt some more phrases, and you picked up the newspaper and you learnt some more phrases. And all those were kind of embedded attitudes in there, so that your language and the values all get kind of learned and in, a, in a, a not fully conscious way. So what we speak 
and how we speak and how we think are acquired from an area that, you know, when you look around at this, at this area, you think, there's a lot of confusion out there. There's some pretty crazy stuff happening out there. And, um, and that's where, and that's, that's the, the public domain. And that's where my thinking has come from, in my way of thinking. And particularly when it's starting to sound like um, it's talking to me. It's not me saying something, it's actually talking to me. That's interesting, how can I talk to me? So it's saying, you should be this, you should be that, you never this, you never that, you don't do this, why are you like that, you should do this, I bet you can't do that. Who are you talking to? And you realize this is just kind of like the embedded tape loop um, that one, one has acquired. And it's the object forming, isn't it? It's treating you as an object. So that means it's, it's come from outside and it's looking at you as an object. Yeah? And it's not, not looking in very loving ways and em- empathic ways. It's looking at you as, as an object as a performance object, didn't do very well. As an appearance object, you don't look so good. So, it's not really on your side, is it? <coughs> so when you're getting this coming in, you, s- you say, back off, you know. Take a powder, you know. Do something, or even just laugh at it, you know or play with it. But to not let that take over your volition, because that one's not on your side. That one's on the side of perform something, do something for me, be an object. It's not going to help you towards realization. It's just going to embed you further and further into being an object an approved of object. <laughs> and you know, you know what that is like. Because once, you know, you could, then you're held in that particular pattern and you move a whisker outside of it and you get the disapproval. Mm-hmm. Wasn't so good, was it? So, you, you know, you get caught in that. And trying to appease that, that inner tyrant is a waste of time. <coughs> But we can survive that because, you know, we are embodied, we are here. We kind of get focused on that bit because that's the bit that's, that's learnt and that's judged. How well you can say the bit, um, how well you can, you know, that's judged in domain. We're as much objects as subjects. And that's part of what it is to be here. You know? I acknowledge that I, you know, I'm an object for you. Okay, I'm willing to take that on. But I'd like to also you to know that I'm a subject. 
as long as you can see the both, that's fine. I don't want to just be an object. I'm prepared to do my bit as an object, but I also like to know that I'm a subject. <laughs> so we negotiate how much of an object I'm going to be, which I feel comfortable with, and you feel comfortable with, that's fine. We can do business. <coughs> So in, in recognizing the, the subjectivity, and even, even acknowledging that, we start to come into something more embodied presence. The body not as an object anymore, that should be or supposed to be or isn't, but a subjective body, that's a felt body, a body that throbs, pulses, tingles, urges, sinks, you know, it's a kind of feeling body. And notice that that one actually operates very much in line with subjective realities that are pertinent. When I'm getting excited, I can, I can sense it. When I'm getting depressed, I can sense it. When I'm starting to get defensive, I can sense it. When I feel relaxed, I can sense it. Yeah. It's there. It's much more accurate telling me that than my head is. My head's not in, part of my head's not interested. Just you know, keep up the, long as long as you're getting approval or whatever, um, it's okay. You don't sense what this is doing. So learn, learn to in your own thinking. You know, you don't need to try to stop thinking, but just try to feel. What you th- how you fi- how your thinking feels in terms of your body. When you're getting excited, angry, depressed, tense, joyful, bright. So that you you kind of come out of just focus or being caught in the thought. To how's the body carrying this thought? Because it is. You know, th- all this derives from one source. All the energy of the thinking, the emotions and the body to derive from one source. And, and um, if you tune into that source, then you, you get an accurate readout on, hey, is this wholesome? Is this in tune? Or is this going out? Is this stretched and strained? Is this cramped and dull? Or is this resonant? Is, am I here with this? That's really, really important to know. And when you feel you are with here with this, then you can maybe trust your volition that comes from that. It says, hmm, I think I'd like to just really set, settle. Maybe I'd like to, you know, feel I'm with this fully, or just be into this, this bodily experience, or explore this mood, you know, or extend my heart this way. Then you can play these meditative. Uh, processes for the the joy and the interest and the wonder and the the pleasure of them, and now they could be they're there for that they're there for our pleasure. Liberation is pleasant. <laughs> it's nice, you know. The Buddha said, "I wouldn't teach you this if it wasn't didn't wasn't good and felt good. I wouldn't tell you it." It's not some kind of performance that you've got to do to win approval from your, th- your tyrannical mind. 
So we have to trust volition that's, that's, in, that's in tune with that particular resonance, with that tonality. Well, we can, we can, we can work with that. And with the idea, that maybe this will take me to a place where you know, I feel I'm beginning to become so at ease that that whole volitional thing can just really rest. And I can just rest in the enjoyment of liberation. Notice, you know, in, in the Buddha's own experience, how his awakening experiences after many years of striving and then coming to this realization, a childlike realization of just what it's like to be sitting somewhere under a tree, nothing much going on, his father somewhere nearby, kind of nice reassuring presence, doing his bit, and sitting under this tree. And everything kind of just dropping into calm. And after his process of liberation, in spending, I think, six or seven weeks standing under trees. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, now I'm Buddha, go out, do it, do it, do it. Just, oh, this is great, stand under a tree. <laughs> he stood, you know, for a few days under this tree, and he went and sat under this tree, and he thought, well, what's this like to sit under this tree? He sat under another tree. Oh, just enjoying it all. I like that. Well, that sounds Because <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the point to me of being liberated. So I can just sit under a tree and enjoy it. <laughs> I don't have to have all kinds of complicated thoughts going on. And all sorts of strategies, and you know, I just like to be able to sit under a tree and feel this is fine. You know, I don't think you should be doing something. Coming into it, the embodiment, you know, even if you have to come in the hard way through feeling out how thoughts feel, how they affect us. Coming to embodiment, if we have to just keep asking yourself, you know, where am I? Who am, where, where am I here? Coming to embodiment, daring to be subjective. And it is, um, it's daring. Yeah. We can may th- maybe think we're really, we can be really egotistical and personal and idiosyncratic and just be myself. How much of that is really just, you know, acquired selves? 
internalized objects. Or we can fear it. Being being myself selfish, egotistical, selfish, egotistical, just looking after myself, living life on my own terms, stuck in my own personality. That's what it's about, isn't it? Then, of course, that's what the that's what the um, inner tyrant says. Doesn't want you to be yourself. It gives you all this stuff. Irresponsible, selfish, irresponsible, lazy, indolent, good for nothing, selfish. <laughs> yeah. But really, you know. So we're saying this subjective. We don't mean going to just trying to uh, find out intimacy of what's it feel like right now. Not trying to make an entity out of that subjectivity. Not trying to make a a solid person out of that. Just it's like just tuning into what's happening here. What's happening here. And can I can there be working with that? And here we enter into an area that's quite um Crucial, I think, and somewhat tricky because, of course, in the time of the Buddha, there was this Atman belief, you know, the sense of there being this, um, you know, self soul thing that you try to find so that you, you know, it became your immortal self. And so it was a great sense of, you know, trying to, to find that and so on. Which would take you to this sort of sense of the proper place in the cosmos. But you notice, uh, like what I'm recognizing more is that my sense of self is is not something that takes me to place in the cosmos. My sense of self is a black hole. It's like a dislocation. It's my sense of dis. It's the sense of disconnection from what's going on. It's the sense of Here's where I'm cut off from everything else. Here's where I'm alone. Here's where I'm left out. Here's where I'm stuck in being me. It's a dislocated sense. Uh, and it's, it, it, and it, it, it's not connected to anything. It kind of hovers around. And what it's seeking is oblivion. It doesn't want to connect to the universe. It just wants to find a hole to, to die in. A place where it won't be noticed anymore. We're kind of, you know, they can get away from everything. So it seems that the, the direction of that is very different. So you know, you get these two particular currents. One is the what called the bhava, which is that which wants to become something, and vibhava, which is that which wants to become nothing. And when you have a, a an instinct that's inclined towards becoming nothing getting away from here, not being here. Please find me where to, I don't have to be here in this, in this universe, in this world. I want to be out of all this. When you've got one of those and you start using a, a teaching like not-self, <laughs> you know what you get? <laughs> Authorised dissociation. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
I'm not here. If I am here, I'll try to make every attempt to not be here. I like to stop feeling things and thinking things and sensing anything at all. Then I'll be all right. I won't be here anymore. And I won't be able to, there'll be no knowledge, no thought, no understanding, and and that'll be fine. I'll be out of this. This is called vibhava, desire for oblivion or annihilation. So these, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's the same as Bhava Tanda, but it's going, you know, in a different direction, if you like. It's the will to, to become nothing rather than to become something. So if you have that kind of persuasion going, and, you know, you think, meditate, let's try and shut everything down. Try and stop thinking, feeling. All those trembly bits, stop it. You know, all those ambiguities and moves that stop that. Calm down. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you can actually find yourself volitionally authenticating and propelled towards this annihilationism. Now, just recognizing that that sense of, of self, how that is formed, is very much relational. You know? So there is subjectivity. We're all, we all have subjectivity. But the identity experience in that is formed in relationship. That is, other people keep telling you who you are in some way or another. Very simply. They maybe say, you're welcome. And some people say that, you get that. And that, tell, that tells your subjectivity, oh, be here, oh, it's nice, it's okay. Oh. Yeah, it feels like that. Quite a lot of it is saying, you're not welcome. A lot of it is saying, you're not welcome. It's not, you're not right. So then your subjectivity, that the, the sense of self that crystallizes that out of that is always something wrong, don't be here, get out of here. So just just bear this in mind. Consider this. Is that what's happening? Is that what that instinct is trying to do? And if you harness that instinct to something that can be interpreted as the path to oblivion, this is um, I would, this is not skillful. <laughs> no. And this is one. Of, this is a the Buddha said. This is a path to hell. So you know, being able to say, well, you know, we're looking at calm as settling, just settling and starting to feel good, feeling okay, being able to get that sense of, you know, calm that occurs properly has got a sense of spaciousness about it. It's spacious, so things, your rhythms and the start to just quieten down. You've got space. Calm that's unhealthy feels like you're being compressed, stuffed, shut. It's got a certain pushiness to it. 
you don't ease into it, you, you stuff into it. And that's calming down. And we should really calm up. Where you feel you know, there's a sense of settlement and joy. So recognizing you know, in, in the practice of, sam- of samadhi, the factors of that are the sense of settledness, viveka, and then qualities of acknowledgement, vitaka, and handling, actually handling material. And then pity, joy, arises. sense of rapture, joy. Hey, this is really nice. I'm enjoying myself. It's like you're carving a piece of wood and you're whistling. And then, and then as you, as you, have you done that, you feel, hey, that was a nice day. You know, you get a sense of ease. And so this is, this is samadhi's like this. It's a, it's a way of, it's sometimes described as one handles one's own pleasure. One knows how to handle and fashion one's own pleasure. I think it's a lovely way of describing samadhi, rather than one calms down to oblivion, you know, through some sort of concentrated force. And I, I don't want to find fault with um, you know, people, language, because language is a tricky thing, slippery thing. But just to recognize that it is, um, it, the, the, if it's not occurring with a quality of ease and joy, if it's not occurring in that sense through any, uh, a mind that's quite alive and awake and willing to handle stuff, you know, you've got to be really cautious about that. So don't just buy these things off the shelf without examining who's doing it and why they're doing it. And with same with insight, you know, with pasana can be uh, a sense of actually just not really feeling anything. That is, you, you, one becomes the watcher. And this sets my whiskers twitching. You know. Because <laughs> 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 the Buddha never said anything about watching anything. The mind, watching the breath, watching anything. And I know what happens, my watch is up here. And I regard this definitely as danger zone. Because my watcher tends to look down. (laughs) And uh, the watching sense, just the visual sense, creates a sense of distance, you know. know? So it creates a sense of object, doesn't it? Object. It's very good at object definition. And the object definition, I can look out there and look at all you. Oh, this is nice sweater she's wearing, or whatever, you know. Look at these things and have opinions about them, all that. And I'm not, it's not, I'm not involved. So I'm distant from all that. I, I, you know, when I'm looking at things, I'm not being looked at. So I'm cautious about that, about the, you know, the idea of Vipassana being watching things, because it's like there could be a sense of profound dislocation between what is watched and the watcher. And again, the watcher kind of has a sense of some um, detachment but from what's watched. So they're really with that, really with it, 
present with it, or whether you're just saying, pass on by, pass on by, pass on by, you're a Nietzsche, come on, get going, pass on by, pass on by. And not feeling the quality of what's going on. You know, I don't want to be lying here on the floor, sick, with people watching me, going, look at that. (laughs) I like people to kind of think, this is something meaningful in here, maybe I should get a hold of this person. I don't want to just be watched. (laughs) (laughs) So I like to think of these things more just being willing to handle material. Because when you handle something, as you touch it, it touches you. And you get a a, a sense of resonance. It's like that. It's not just some kind of anonymous object. It feels, it senses. Thought feels like this. This feels out of tune. This feels tight. Um, And and in that sense of of bonding or or empathy, there is something very uh, calming about that. Because there's a quality of goodwill and presence. So, again, with with the, the insight practices, they develop, or they should develop with a sense of, of, of a warm space, a warm quality of spaciousness. And when I consider these things, that both calm and insight, and the Buddha didn't really separate them, he said that you're supposed to keep these things together. They're not different meditations, essentially run together. Because they both give rise to this quality of warm spaciousness. Connected spaciousness, ease, and the, and they give rise to a particular awareness of a particular tonality. Uh, it feels wholesome. It may feel bright. It may feel calm. But it's always got a wholesome quality to it. You feel upright with it. You don't feel oppressed or suppressed or driven, or or, or sterilized. So it has tonality, spaciousness, and there's a particular energy, which is. Um, Energy uh, like gladness. And it's happy with this. And it's quiet, but it's a very uplifting gladness that arises with these um, practices. And I recognize that. And I also recognize that that, in a way, can be right here almost before I do those practices, if I just come into presence. You know, I can actually come to that spaciousness, wholesome tone, and a gladness, an energy that's willing to be here. So that that tends to mean that meditation is not some big thing as such. You know, the only way I can ever get feeling halfway all right is meditating. No. I can feel all right just being here. And when I've got that sense, then I'm interested in meditation. I quite like to do this. I enjoy it. But it's not you're kind of driven in there from some ideological position, or because you ought to, or because it might be some way in which you could finally shut down <laughs> everything, but because, just because of the, the enjoyment of it. Um, and 
to me that's what that's what keeps the whole the whole process alive and going is is this um, the pleasure the enjoyment of of the process of awakening <coughs> It doesn't mean there's no pain, physical pain, but the pain doesn't damage. It doesn't break anything up. It's, it's something that uh, one can accommodate. It kind of arises within that, the pain of the body, the pain of, of, of grief, the pain of past karma. But it's got something to land on. And because it's almost like when, one, when that spaciousness and that, that, that tonality arises, it's almost like this is, this is the safe place. This is the place that can hold and take away that pain. It's like something that draws it out. And if we didn't have that, then the, the pain of our karma it just becomes unbearable. It hasn't got anywhere to land. It hasn't got anywhere to, to receive it. So it just tears into us. And we, we just have to shut down. It just gets too difficult. So you dissociate. So it is very essential to, to find that in, in your presence, in the present moment, to keep in touch with that in your meditation as the place which can take your pain away where your pain can be, be arise and be carried away. Because if, if, if it's not that way, then, then the pain would just get buried in, embedded in. And maybe you try to close it down for a while or look somewhere else, but it won't actually get sweated out, it won't get brought out. So then meditation is a resource for enhancing what we already have in presence. Enhancing it, maybe taking it into, into areas um, where we're not, you know, which we don't normally visit, taking it deep into areas of the heart, areas of the body, taking it in there. And it's a lovely and enjoyable pursuit and therapeutic. Otherwise we wouldn't be teaching it, I guess. So offer this for your reflection tonight.